I have something for you. I've done. Oh, good. Wow. This is an Arsenal show. Wow, I'll be so happy. Purchase 45. That's good. Or a top 45. Wow. Right. We're looking for a new leader who has probably an attacking philosophy, who believes in a strong defensive wall, who believes in winning at all costs. Only wants big trophies. Well, I think that's beautiful. You know, I have a son who does love this sport. He loves and he loves Arsenal, right? And it's growing very rapidly in the United States. Are you an Arsenal fan, too? Uh, not particularly, no. But uh, I, have a friend, I have a friend who owns Manchester United, so I don't really? know exactly what I'm going to do. But wow. Okay. Your last special relationship there. Anyway, that's for you. And and if I you do want to come and manage Arsenal, we would love it. That's beautiful. We'll do very well. <laughs> I was a little bit taller, I wish I was a baller, I wish I had a girl who looked good, I would call her, wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a six point ball. I wish I was like six foot nine so I can give it Leoshi cause she don't know me but Hello and welcome, this is your Let's Week's Football, this is your host Gabe Lezra, I am joined uh, by my man Evan Mateer from the internet spotty borderlands in Texas, Evan, how's it going man? I'm uh, you know... The, the internet's tough, but the wine flows free down here on the border. <laughs> I have a veritable fishbowl full of Spanish wine, and I'm ready to talk about all sorts of funny, hilarious, amazing football moments. Yeah, so I just want to quickly get off the bat. Like, we don't have Ernesto this week because he couldn't make it work with his schedule, but luckily the uh, gods of, of this sport and this sports media have gra- gifted us with an absolute just – absolute winning week in terms of just awesome different you know news and in, in, in this stuff obviously the transfer deadline closed today it's now shut it closed about an hour and a half ago we're recording this during about 7 p.m eastern time uh so that's it there's no more um transfer deadline stuff to talk about we will be recapping that we're going to do a little bit about um you know some of the really weird um, enigmatic ways that MLS has played into this uh, season's European transfer window. Uh, and we're also going to talk um, <laughs> about what has been just a, a brutal week for uh, Arsenal fans. Um, and look, we're trying not to, like, we've been working really hard on not only dunking on Arsenal, but unfortunately Arsenal has really disgraced themselves over the last week or so. Like, like, like just to be clear, like we skipped several very dunkable topics for Arsenal in recent weeks to try not to dunk on them. And, but this week they just, it's, 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 it it simply is going to be impossible to avoid this simply. I mean, there's just so many different things um, to, to get into with them. So we're going to get into all that stuff. But uh, first of all, I wanted to shout out. um, There's a video of Neymar going around right now. (laughs) Just fucking icing this dude out. Like he goes over to runs over a minute, like 93 The game is over. Runs over to this dude to help him get up. Guy reaches out his hand, and Neymar just fucking whoop, yanks his hand back and then looks the dude right in the face and laughs as he drops away. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> it just, just iced him on, on, on national TV. This is like the appointment viewing in France and just got owned by Neymar on, on, on TV. It's just brutal. You know, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, so this week, Joel Embiid, like, fucking posterized Russell Westbrook, and it was really beautiful and amazing, and then, but then Oklahoma City beat the shit out of 
the Sixers in the end. And while time is running down and Russ is holding the ball, he's just like fucking staring down straight at Joel Embiid the whole time for like the last 12 <laughs> seconds. And it, that was amazing too. It's so good. I People need to fucking get the stick out their ass yeah. about players just like having fun and being competitive. And it, it was fucking funny. Yeah. And like, if you're one of the people that like freaked out, like talked about how Neymar sucks, like, oh, how could you do that? Well, you suck. Like, get over yourself. Like, this rules. Neymar is so cool. Like, this is an objectively awesome thing to to own someone like that on, on and you television. Know, and you know what? I'd be perfectly fine. Like, this is just sports, and it'd be perfectly fine if the next time they play, like, Neymar gets hard fouled like five times. Hell yeah, of course. That's how that it goes. Is- that's how it should be. And I'm pretty sure Neymar was reacting to having been hard fouled earlier in that game. So, you know what? Good Nobody play. got hurt. Nobody died. Like, no one got hit in the head with a baseball. And that's kind of my – that's like my benchmark. Like, as long as no one's getting hit in right. the head with a baseball, then fucking fine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's get into some deadline day stuff. I think the uh, big mover and shaker this deadline day, Manchester City. Um, Manchester City, over the last 18 months, has spent – Close to 500 million, half a billion pounds on transfers. That is a catastrophically large amount of money, Evan. I mean, so it's and it, it's talked about, and, and you know, here's the thing about that much money is when you spend that much money, it becomes almost like an asterisk, right? Every time someone talks about how good this season's going for City, and they're like, potential, like, it would not surprise me if they want a quadruple, like it wouldn't be that ridiculous for them to pull it off. I don't think they will. Like if I had to bet, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't be that shocked if someone six months from now said that they won four trophies, but it almost creates this asterisk. Every time we talk about Manchester city is like how much money they spent it. You can, and you can like split up the stat a bunch of different ways. You can talk about the 500 million overall. You can talk about how they just dropped like 60 million at the drop of a dime without any like, proceeding you know smoke about any transfers in the january window you can talk about how they how much they spent just on wingbacks in the summer um you know there's a bunch of ways to cut it up but every time you talk about like oh pep is having a great season there's in that article there's gonna be a paragraph where it's gonna say something like buddy spent a half billion pounds right i mean and i'm not gonna say that if i i, I wouldn't be i would be reducedability if i were to say if you gave me uh 500 million pounds to build a squad and I would be able to do this. No, of course not. But I I would be able to, and I'm not a coach even, I would still be able to put together a squad. I believe that would be in the top half of the premier league. And I don't I mean, if you gave coach, I mean, let's do it this way. If you gave Rafa Benitez half a billion pounds, I bet you, you can make a pretty fucking good spot squad. If you gave Mauricio Pochettino half a billion pounds, I think you make a pretty good squad, right? So you take, any of these, you know, good managers or even, you know, mediocre managers and give them that kind of money, they're going to look pretty fucking great. Right. Um, and on top of all of this, City didn't even escape this period without getting fucking owned. And they got really owned by uh, Leicester City, who <laughs> came, came into Some... this. It, it just came came out of nowhere that City was trying to grab Riyad Mahrez from, from Leicester City. And... Uh, they were prepared to spend on on top of all the money they already spent an additional 70 million pounds to get Mares, who it's not even clear would start on this not, team. It's not clear. He's that good. Like, I mean, he, he was so, I know he was like premier league player of the year 
a couple of years ago when Lester did the ridiculous thing and won the 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 title. But like, I mean, he's fine. He's good. He, he is right. not. He is not seventy million pounds good. No, there's not no. a there's not a world where he is twice as good as Alexis Sanchez. No, good God, no. Right, and like, let's be let's be totally clear. If if I mean. If they wanted to spend 90 million pounds, they could have spent 90 million pounds. And that's why I'm so proud of Lester for just being like, listen, you you people are going to pretend to haggle with us yeah. over 15 million pounds when you've spent half a billion pounds over the last year purchasing players no you're giving us 90 or we're not selling no so and i love i love awesome. the sh- i love the shit out of it. like of all the great stories we have today i think the only one i actually texted you about was the mara's story because i love it so fucking much and so there's a lot of reasons why i love it i love that they said no you have unlimited money and we're just, we we see a goddamn seller's market yep. and we know it when we see it and this is a seller's market so the price is basically infinity Right. Like you need to you need to give us enough money to operate our team for the next century if you want to buy anything that we have. So that's amazing because hopefully it will start to, you know, pop this transfer bubble just a little bit. Um, The second, I love it because it by setting such a high price, this is kind of a mid table team saying to their fans, no, we're not just going to cash in on our best player even though someone is coming and offering right. us 70 million, well, let's be honest, it's probably twice Marez's real value. Oh yeah. At least. <laughs> um, um, and we're going to still be competitive. Like we're still going to go out there and play football and we're going to compete for the Europa league spots. And I really like that too. Like don't just consolidate, you know, Riyad Marez and every other, you know, pretty good premier league player on the bench in Manchester. Right. And, and it's just, it rules. It's a great, great decision. And I think you can also say like, yeah, they were getting a like deal of the century, 75 million pounds, except I don't know if this is going to break this bubble. I think it's very possible that some random team from some other league that's flush with cash will pop in and be like, Hey, like, uh, our, you know, shake, whatever from, you know, whatever, uh, just bought this team in, 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 in Spain and wants, to get a kind of a marquee signing. And we think that we can, we're being a little bit priced out of some of these other players, but here's 80 million pounds for Riyad Mahrez, right? Like, that, yeah, it's not obvious to me that there's going to be a huge drop off in his price. It's not even obvious that it's bad business. Plus why, why wouldn't, if you're a Leicester fan, you won the premier league and you're still competing for Europe. This is awesome. You're, you've got to be psyched that you got to keep basically the core of that same premier league team. Minus like the most important player, right? Conte, uh, and you're still a really, I mean, like Leicester went from a team that was struggling to you know, remain in in the championship to a team that's perpetually around Europe in the Premier League. That fucking rules. I mean, how many how many teams from the championship would trade everything for the couple of years that Leicester had? Not just you know, first they win a title and then they become a solid mid table team in the Premier League. Yeah, I think those, Arsenal would just, sw- would swap well, yeah, their Arsenal last five years that for that. Because now there are no there are no championships in you know forever, and, and they're a fucking mid table team. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, you said that this was your favorite story. We're not even close to. It's not even my top five stories because of all the Arsenal stuff. So we're gonna get into that. But I, here's what I I I, I want to remind everyone that one of the real scandals about all of this is. The very fact that Pep Guardiola feels comfortable spending half a billion dollars over 18 months, and that's because he is uh, running a team that's owned by someone who actually does have infinity dollars. 
Um, and one of the fun games that I played, Evan, was when people started talking about this deal, I said, you know, we should just, here's a fun game. Let's Google uh, Sheikh Mansour bin Zayed Al Nayan human rights. And just post yeah, the first five titles a, of the results. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a dangerous game. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so not great, not great, folks. Um, not, I mean, it's, it's all the stuff that Ernesto was talking about. All the different times we've been talking about Cutter, except for it's UAE, and it's basically the same basic idea that this this royal family is trying to use this type of soft power uh, to whitewash their <laughs> human rights record. And I mean. Fundamentally, that's uh, I mean, like that's what they're doing, and they're just investing tons of money in this team that's gonna, I think, comfortably is the favorite to win. I mean, gonna win the Premier League has got to be one of the top two or three teams favorite to win in Europe. I mean, this is this is a team that could easily do the treble this year. Or a quadruple, yeah, Carabao Cup also. So, you know, to the extent <laughs> right. that people care about that, the oh, you know yeah. the league, the English League Cup. Yeah, um, um, but I yeah, I mean, look, they're really. I mean, it, it's what what is both it, is it. I find it really difficult to analyze the city team because they're they are really good, and people like when a team's really good, you want to break down like how and why are they really good. In large part, you want to do that because you want to think how how can other teams become good, and you know, there's a lot of potential answers to that. One is oh, look, a lot of really good players playing really well. Another answer is, oh, Pep Guardiola is a really good coach. He's shown that before. But like a third answer is if you have unlimited money and you can just buy a great combination of really good veteran players and really exciting, athletic, hungry young players, you can put together a pretty good squad. Yeah, and especially if you can also then invest in like the one of the best coaches of all time in Guardiola. And I don't think that's right. a, a stretch to call him that. Like you no. put one of the great all-time coaches – and like in front of a team of really top level players, you're going to end up with a lot good of really results. good I mean, results. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's really not that fucking complicated. If you have a ton of money, you're going to be set because good money means good players and good coaches. So let's transition into some, uh, a little bit more kind of weird MLS connections here. So first of all, we have the extremely normal regular deal that, uh, NYCFC and Manchester City, who definitely are owned by the same people, uh, engaged in to bring Jack Harrison, the uh, English U21 product who played last season at NYCFC, back to England. Yeah. Jack Harrison, Manchester City bought Jack Harrison from NYCFC. I think the question of whether he was ever really ever owned by NYCFC is something you have to ask at this point. So, um, so there's an interesting point on that, uh, an interesting background on that, which is so this kid's from Stoke. And Stoke was apparently sniffing around and offering him a chance to come play, you know, first division ball in England. And because technically, he was owned by NYCFC and not by Manchester City, like in in you know as far as like corporate entities go. Right. Um, they you know theoretically could could do this, and it's only after Stoke came sniffing around that Manchester City came and bought Harrison for what's a pretty tidy sum in MLS terms, so something like six million dollars, yeah. um, and then immediately loaned him out to Middlesbrough to. You know, because they don't think he's ready for first team football. He's absolutely in, in, in not City. anything close to first team caliber at Manchester no, but, City. But but what Stoke was, I think what Stoke was hoping would happen is they come sniffing around. They say, look, you know, we'll give you a four or five. Maybe they'll give the same six million dollars. 
for him. But they can say, we're going to put you, you know, in our at least on our first team bench right away here in Stoke, your hometown club, whatever. I think they were hoping that the kid himself would force the transfer to Stoke rather and kind of get out of the Manchester City system. And this forced Manchester City's hand to get him out of NYC so that they had direct club control over him. Normal situation, totally regular. Totally not just, you know, using a player option to bring someone up from the minors. Yeah, it's not nothing. Totally not. The NYCFC that is definitely all. a regular, normal club that definitely has does normal business with other entities. It's, and... I, I I think this. I think I think MLS should be very concerned with this relationship between NYCFC and Manchester City. I do not think that having an essentially kind of you know super academy club in yeah. New York is good. You know, maybe it's good for Manchester City. I do not think it's good for MLS. No, um, not at all. And, I mean, they should really think about how they can disincentivize this, uh, this, this business relationship. Well, I'm genuinely surprised, Evan, that in all of this stuff, all of these talks, that not at not at no point was it even considered that Pep Guardiola could just say, "Hey, like, why don't we have New York City FC loan us David Villa? Yeah. Like, he he absolutely could fit that Sané role. He's a great. I mean, look, the man is still crazy good. He went to. Yeah. Uh, NYCFC after starting in the Champions League final for Atletico. Like, he is still, and he's the MVP, or at least an MVP caliber player. He's been the leading scorer in MLS. He is absolutely, if not still the same player he was, like, he is absolutely still a player who can make a difference in the Premier League. I have absolutely no doubt about that. If I were Real Madrid, I would be happy to have him on our bench right now, for example. Like, I'm just surprised that that was never even considered, given what, (laughs) going out to spend... 90 or 70 million pounds on backup Riyad Mahrez was considered, but not like destructuring some sort of super totally regular loan deal with NYCFC to bring in David Villa. Yeah. I can only imagine that it is a super complicated morass of legal contracts and everything else in the world. Um, and I have no idea how anything works in that yeah. relationship. I mean, I, and it, if let's assume you're the owners, whoever it is, what and whatever entity makes decisions on behalf of both these you know clubs um i could see you thinking that you know via is essentially is completely essential to nycfc being worth anything at all right now and so maybe you keep him there i don't know i'm just spitballing well, why and, you, and why also you like, want to keep him there here's what i'd say I, I i just to to round out this segment i or this this bit on on Pep, I, I, I would say that um, one of the big problems with NYCFC, one of the reasons that I didn't lean into it when, when I was in New York was because of the whole Frank Lampard thing. And the entire fan base was in, in New York was actually really dispirited and annoyed and hurt by the way that Manchester City handled the Frank Lampard situation, right? And that yeah, was actually awful. was something that made a lot of people say, look, I can't support this. this is literally Manchester City B. Like, they, because New York City had a contract with Frank Lampard, and they basically just voided it to let him play I mean, for Manchester a, City. Yeah, like there was a lot of crazy shit going on. There was there was some crazy shit with third-party ownership of players going on there where they had some kind of like super entity that owned Lampard's yeah. contract. It was all very weird. And, Huge but scam. I remember – I remember, I remember in real time when that happened because you were prepared, like you were, a fit, you know, in, in the first instance, you were prepared and ready to be an NYCFC fan. Um, like you were there and then all of that shit went down. You're like, well, I'm not, I'm not getting involved in all of this. Like if you're going to support a soccer club, it's going to be a soccer club. It's not going to be just some, you know, weird transatlantic relationship with Manchester yeah. City. 
And it was just, I, I think they had to have lost a lot of people um, right there. And it's really unfortunate. And they've and, had to build that back up since basically. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. And, you know, to a certain extent, I think, until this Harrison thing, there hadn't been any other, you know, kind of controversy like that. But this Harrison thing definitely raises the specter that that's still going on in, in particular with, you know, young players. Yeah. I mean, and it's not bad business. As Kevin said last show, like, it's not bad business for New York City, right? Like, no, this is selling. a good, this is a yeah. good, good business. So it's just, it, it just does not, I mean, look, we're like, we're calling it, it's like, you know, it's totally regular, normal relationship between two clubs where they can scuttle a move. But like, yeah. but it still is like ultimately if if you assume an arm's length relationship which you should not between no. these two clubs then it is still good business for NYCFC well one for being good business you know it was 6 million dollars which is yeah I, it's not i don't i don't know if it's the record mls fee but it's it's up there like they rarely sell players for that much money and i'm i was laughing because i, I so i started a fifa save recently of orlando city um, just because I find the FIFA save helps me, like I, I updated the rosters and it helps me get to know the players ahead of uh, ahead of the season starting. And do you know what hilarious figure the FIFA thinks the uh, thinks Orlando City's transfer budget is? What? Twenty seven million dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> you know what? Orlando City does not have to spend on transfers. Twenty seven million dollars. They Dude, do I not think, have. I think they're confusing it with David Beckham's uh, Miami <laughs> FC. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, that's probably David Beckham's net worth. I have no idea, but right. it's, it has so much fucking money. Well, I mean, speaking of Orlando, that's the second weird connection to European deadline day. Uh, yeah, in arguably the strangest uh, move so far in the European so, deadline. Or let me give you some. Well, no. So, yeah. So this I, I just want to give some background because I've been following this pretty closely um, because Orlando City is my MLS team. You could let so, me just say what happened. Um, hey, fine. I'm sorry. I'm, just re- I'm really excited. <laughs> I know. This is No, this is a really cool story. So Kyle right, Laren was sold from Orlando to Besiktas for what, about three million? It was around $3 million. All right, go ahead. Now give background. We're, okay, we're desperately background. Need it. So Kyle Lahren went to Besiktas. So Kyle Lahren, uh, Canadian forward, he was the rookie of the year in MLS back in like 2015. Um, he's had three good seasons with Orlando City, um, though they've been a little bit on the decline. He, We have always known, MLS and Orlando City have always known that eventually he's going to move on to Europe. And he's always said, eventually, he wants to move on to Europe. Inexplicably... In 2017, Kyle Aaron signed a piece of paper <laughs> giving Orlando City two years of team options on his contract. He, the, Orlando City, picked allows them to get a much higher transfer fee and have a, just so much more bargaining power in the negotiations, whatever European team he might end up going to. He became pretty intent on going to Besiktas. He just decided, I guess, that the two-year team options didn't apply for some reason. I've never heard an actual good explanation of why he didn't think they applied. But he took the interpretation that he was now a free agent and just went and started training with Pestikas before any deal had been— <laughs> I didn't been, know he went and uh, trained with them. <laughs> yeah, he fucking trained with them. He was posing with a shirt, like, well before anything was agreed on. Um, <laughs> so, he's, so he's in Istanbul training with Besiktas, and Orlando City's like, "Guy, you're still an Orlando City player. What are you doing?" He's threatening to go to FIFA to challenge the validity of the contract. 
And so Orlando City enters these really weird negotiations where Bastikas is offering a really reduced fee because they're saying, why are we going to pay you a bunch of money for someone who thinks they're a free agent and we can assign them a free? In the end, they get to this weird compromise both with Bastikas and with MLS where they get a little bit more than the original $2.3 million that was agreed, so something like $3 million dollars. And instead of the normal situation where 20% of that goes to MLS and 10% goes to Kyle Lahren, Orlando City just to keep, just gets to keep the entirety of the transfer fee. So they get to keep the whole $3 million. And so they had to deal with both MLS and Besiktas. And I think the point of the deal was to keep these player options, the validity of player options, from going in front of FIFA. Oh, interesting. Because I, because I think the concern is that FIFA is not going to recognize these player options as valid. Well, these are and these are contracts that are very normal in American sports, but much less normal in, in European yeah. sports, right? So yeah. that that actually is an interesting move. It's also really douchey from Kyle Lahren, which is why Evan, if you want to go ahead and read this, uh, Orlando City gave one of the greatest press releases of all time, announcing his departure. Yeah, so not surprising. Orlando City was not a not a fan. <laughs> so when in, in announcing the transfer that we've all been expecting for a year, they say, after recognizing the existence of a valid contract, Bestikas has agreed with Orlando City on terms for the transfer of forward Kyle Lahren. Although the club was disappointed with the unacceptable behavior of the athlete and his representatives, a decision was taken to guarantee compensation with the club's future in mind. The club looks forward to focusing on the upcoming season with staff and players who honor and respect the strong values of the club and commitment to our community and to the league. That is so <laughs> cool. I, that is so – I mean, I, I, Gabby Kirshner is the one that brought this to my attention. She said basically that this is passive-aggressive. I don't see very much passivity in this really. No, no. Yeah, no. I also – I saw more than in one place the passive-aggressive being, uh, being used – so passive aggressive is if you coldly thank the player for his services right. and you know don't really say much else than that. Aggressive is when you say you are disappointed with that player's unacceptable behavior. <laughs> and you, I mean the last like in a vacuum the last paragraph about focusing on the upcoming season with staff and players who honor and respect the values of the club is kind of passive aggressive, but in context, it's actually literally just aggressive. Like they yeah. literally just said this dude was behaving unacceptably. So we're going to like work with people who don't behave unacceptably by, yeah. you know, violating the honor and disrespecting our values. And, and you know, I, so there's been some news outlets who are kind of on Kyle Lahren's side here, and it, it basically is the type of people who are generally on player's side. They want more player power and contracts, and I think all of those are fair perspectives. But I think Kyle Lahren is the wrong like horse for that race. He, um, I, I don't know, he really did act like a petulant asshole. Orlando City was perfectly aware that he wanted to go to Europe and they were perfectly willing to facilitate that. They were not trying to stand in the way of his move. They were trying to maintain some leverage so that they got something out of his move, right? That both parties benefited from it. That's what I mean, that both parties benefited. They, they were not like, you know, Liverpool uh, or like Stoke or I'm sorry, Southampton who was trying to stand in, you know, stand in the way of Van Dyke's move to Liverpool forever. This is not what was going on. I don't think there's any room for sympathy for Kyle Lahren 
Um, because all that him recognizing the player option would have done is get Orlando City more money, and he still would have gone wherever it is he wanted to go. Right, and it, it, I think that is part of the disrespect, right? Because he's leaving the club that you know invested in him. You know, you know, in a really unpleasant spot where, like, they, he actually is a very talented player who a lot of people were excited about, and you know, excited enough to go play for one of the premier teams in Turkey, right? And Turkish yeah. league is, you know, slightly better than MLS. Like, I, I think one can say. And I mean, Besiktas, he's going to get he's going to get Champions League football in Besiktas, yeah, and that's league, right, which yeah, is great. pretty cool. And and so that's great, and 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 he should be, and 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 we know that Orlando was prepared to work with like him to get a, a deal done, and the only th- all he did was drive down his price, and like that's yep. really not very nice considering MLS is so bad about these transfer policies yeah. as we've discussed. And I mean, and I wonder if I I, I really wonder if Besiktas was the one who was kind of tampering here, and. You know, if they sold him on Besiktas first and then they said, hey, if you really want to come here, look, we can't really afford five, six million dollars. We can afford like two, three million dollars. And so here's what we need you to do, buddy. We need you to just show up and say you're a free agent. Right. And like a lot of teams like I know Real Madrid does this. They they work this kind of deal with players and they say, look, if you want to come to us, you have to do these things. But transfer those requests, things, whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. Those things do not include, hey, buddy, like Gareth, why don't you just fly to Madrid and start training with us? Yeah. Uh, despite the it's, fact that you have a valid contract with Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, it's really next level stuff. I mean, Orlando City basically released the signed contract showing the player options. Um, which, you know, so it's pretty clear on paper that, um, these are team options, these team options existed. And, and so you just have to take this technical legal opinion that uh, for some reason under FIFA rules, the team options don't count. Um, I haven't seen anyone really take a strong stance that they agree with that other than, you know, as a cynical negotiating ploy on behalf of Kyle Lair. And so, um, he was a douche nozzle on the way out. He was a lot of fun to watch when he was at Orlando city so as Orlando City fan, you know, I kind of I bid him well. I hope he does well at Besiktas. I'm willing to put this behind us because um, he's, he's really talented. He's really fun. Um, and, you know, there wasn't a lot to cheer for at Orlando City the first few years that they were uh, in MLS. But he was definitely one of them. Yeah. All right. So going from uh, a one extremely weird situation Let's uh, let's transition into a little bit more of our wheelhouse, Evan. I mean, like I think uh, we can confidently say that when you combine um, Arsenal fan TV and uh, talking about some unbelievably dunkable person like Pierce Morgan into one like one segment on this show, it's it's very hard for us to look the other way and not just do an entire segment about it. But if you combine that with the fact that Arsenal got absolutely demolished by one of the worst teams in England. Uh, on top of all of that, we're, we're just going to have to do a whole segment on it. So Evan, let's talk about Arsenal. Yeah, they, they had a week, didn't they? they, had a week. they had <laughs> really? A week. They really had a week. They did all kinds of shit. And you know, what's most fun is I've been texting a couple Arsenal fans, friends of mine. And for all that they did, I don't think anybody has any strong opinion on whether they're any better or worse than they were a week ago. Other than but like more embarrassed, right? Like they are like, more embarrassed. They did things and it was embarrassing. 
And hopefully, I think people think maybe they'll be marginally better in soccer at soccer. Maybe. Yeah. So let's. Uh. I mean, let's let's just go kind of chronologically. We're gonna. We're, I'm gonna wait on the Piers Morgan stuff because that is just too funny to just do at the beginning and kind of blow that. So let's let's start with um that match against Swansea, man. What what is going on there? So we I watched chunks of this match. Arsenal looked like absolute championship level garbage. Like it wasn't even like they were even trying in that match. It was Wenger. I don't know what happened, but if you look at every metric that you can pull out of that match, they lost three to one to Swansea Swansea, right? Like this is not a good team. It's probably on paper, the worst team in the Premier league. So they lost three to one to Swansea. And if you look at the advanced metrics, it is absolutely borne out. This is not one of those, oh, Arsenal, mate, they should have schooled full times, mate. No, it's not. It is Swansea had, like, adjusted expected goals, which is a very cool stat that one of our SB Nation Arsenal blog writers has created. Swansea, 2.87, Arsenal, 0.6. Like, this is uh, basically the right with- score for this game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, so I I only saw highlights and they looked horrendous. And I mean, I just don't know. I, I don't know what to say. Not, you know, they were bad on both sides. Like Swansea is. So what's most amazing is Swansea is bad on both sides of the ball. Swansea can't score goals and Swansea can't keep the ball out of the back of the net. Arsenal got rocked on both sides of the field. Swansea created a ton of chances and uh, Arsenal created literally nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and there's there's honestly not that much more to say about it other than the, this is an absolutely gut-wrenchingly embarrassing performance from Arsenal. It's the kind of thing that as a Real Madrid fan who suffered a similarly gut-wrenching performance at midweek against a, a equally bad side, it, it took all of the, the sting out of that because it leaves Real Madrid weren't run off the pitch. Like this, this, was, this was a team that has legitimate aspirations to be in the top four. They, I mean, like a real, I mean, they, they used should to, be. They I don't, used to. I don't think, I don't think they do anymore. They're look, they are eight <laughs> points back. So they're now eight points back from first, from fourth place. Um, they are, you know, they would have to pitch all of their hopes on new signings, which, you know, one of which is, you know, in Mkhitaryan is kind of uninspired and the other, and Aubameyang is, you know, he's, been pretty putrid for Dortmund lately. So you have to hope that that was all just, you know, situational. Normal um, I, guy, I, Pierre. Just, Enrique, it, very, very normal professional footballer. Aubameyang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you just have to hope he can just kind of turn on the jets. I, I just, I do not see top four for them. Um, no. it, this was a pretty bad loss. Yeah. You know, I was suffering through a really bad Spurs draw against Southampton last week. And then Liverpool went and lost to, went and lost to Swan. I did lose. I think they lost to Swansea and then Arsenal lost to Swansea. And it's just been fucking amazing ever since then. Yeah. As a Spurs fan, you got to be feeling pretty good given the kind of implosion going on with some of these other clubs. I mean, to be quite frank, like you're the team that is your direct rival, like the North London Derby rival is Arsenal and they are having one of the worst weeks in, 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 I think in their history, here's what I'll say. I love Pierre Enrique Aubameyang. Like he, I kind of feel like he is my like really intense fun and also like totally rational and normal brother. But like, I, I, if you look at, I mean, 
he is he is a good player objectively. Like he is. He's very fast. He's got a good scoring touch. He has not played well this year, which I think and let's let's transition now to talking a little bit about this signing. Um, which I think brought down his price a little bit. So I think Arsenal yeah. has to be a little bit okay with the price that they got on Aubameyang, who even a year ago probably would have commanded maybe 20 million more euros. So um, the deal, uh, uh, the the deal here was uh, uh, that Aubameyang got to Arsenal for 64 and a half million euros. So, that's that's a pretty good buy, I think, considering the way where the market is right now. Uh, but when you consider that Real Mares was would have been sold for like seventy plus million euros, almost eighty million euros, because it was like seventy million pounds. Sixty four million euros for Aubameyang is fucking amazing. Yeah. Well, yes, yes, and no, right? <laughs> yes, that's amazing. No, Aubameyang hasn't been better than Mares this season. Like he is. So they're, no, but they're, his but his 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 ceiling is like it is is, yeah. is stratospherically higher than Riyad Mahrez. And is. I think if you're an Arsenal fan, you have to be pretty okay with the signing, just because. First of all, I can't. I literally, can't, I, Kevin. So I, I literally can't remember the last time Arsenal actually did a good signing since like Ozil and and Alexis. Like those are the two good signings that I li- like. Like there's essentially no other point in this team's history where. The recent history where they've gotten a good player, like since basically Thierry Henry, uh, but this is a, this is a, a at least a bold signing for them. Uh, they gave him the number fourteen, which is uh, a lot of pressure to heap on this dude. But right. you know what? Fair play. They they need to energize this fan base because if you actually look at the fan comments over the last week, they are desperate and and absolutely despondent. Yeah, no, they are. I mean, and they honestly should be. Like, this is a look. This team, I, I, I have a hard time with with Arsenal's week because, on the one hand, I actually think that they did a week of pretty shit business, but on the other hand, I totally understand what they were doing and why they yes. did it. Yeah. So yeah. they were in a position where Alexis was on his way out, Ozil was on his way out, and without those two, like, it's not clear to me that they finished ahead of Burnley. And I'm not even kidding. Like, no, I agree. I totally agree with that. Like, they, they certainly could don't slip- go to Europe. Yeah, they could literally slip to like seventh or eighth in the league without replacing those two. And so they're in this really tough spot. They could have sold um, Alexis to City for probably more money in a transfer fee. They saw this chance to get Mkhitaryan. They did that. And they saw a chance to sign a bombing. They did that. Now, the reason why this is really shit business in like an objective sense is because these are two players late in their prime that they just paid a lot of money to that it's not clear make them better than they were. And what they were was the sixth best team in England. Yeah. And that's um, I think that's really the the I mean, the real kicker in all of this and like this is <laughs> Uh, I think this is the funniest kicker in all of this is that what Arsenal, like the way they went about getting securing Dortmund's agreement to sell Aubameyang was by paying Chelsea to loan uh, Mishibatsuyashi to Dortmund, which is absolutely ruled. It's so cool that Dortmund decided that they were going to force Arsenal yeah. to pay for the loan player. Pay for the loan. And so Dortmund's going to end up getting a free trial on him and decide whether they want to buy him. And I actually think they should because he's really good. 
Um, and he hasn't really gotten a chance at Chelsea. And Arsenal had to fucking sell Olivier Giroud to oh, right. Chelsea, who Olivier Giroud has maybe been their most consistent player for like three years now. That owns. I forgot about that aspect of this. Yeah. yeah. So, so they, yes, they're bringing goals in with Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan, but they have goals going out with Alexis Sanchez and Olivier Giroud. Well, right. And objectively, Alexis Sanchez has been their best player. So they, they lost their best player. They were about to lose Ozil. They signed him to a, a new deal. That's fair. He's going through 2021. So he won't be leaving on a, a free at any point soon. Uh, and then they bring in Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan, but also lose their their second most prolific striker. So they lose their two, and, and they didn't even deal with Evan, the most important part of their issues, which is not actually defensive, scoring goals. Defensive midfield. It's defensive midfield. Like they, <laughs> they, so they've scored, so at best, they have kept about even or maybe gotten mildly better, depending on how you think about Aubameyang, in the attack, right? They're, they're either even or maybe a little better, maybe a little worse. They're, they kind of kept pace, probably. But they were scoring with the other top, you know, premier. They were sc- scoring about the rate of their peers. They have, you know, 46 goals for Tottenham has scored 49, Chelsea 45, Man U, uh, United 49, right? So they're right around that amount that they should be scoring, you know, to compete for top four. The thing is, they've you know, those same teams, United has given up 18 goals, Chelsea's given up 19, Tottenham's given up 22, Burnley's given up 22, Arsenal's given up 34. Yeah, it's just, it's just brutal. <laughs> uh, and, and so they all of this shifting around, Obama Yang, I think, is an objectively exciting signing, but you're losing one of the most objectively exciting players in the league in Alexis Sanchez, uh, and you're replacing him with, Aubameyang, who's also objectively exciting, but you've gotten Aubameyang, who's about, you know, a couple years younger, but not that much younger, for twice as much money, uh, and you're signing Mkhitaryan, and you're paying Chelsea uh, to give, like, they're one of their better, like to 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 to, to send Basuyashi to Dortmund. I mean, like this is all just so fucking strange. And like yeah. every, what I really liked is I actually did see like some of these Twitter egg people being like, "This is four dimensional chess from Wenger," and then they they couldn't explain why it's four dimensional no, chess. It it is desperation shit, is what it is. It is they are desperate, desperate, desperate because they know what it. They know that without replacing Ozil and Santos with fucking something that's dynamic they literally move fall to a mid-table team and that fan base will goddamn implode yeah uh and and they're not gonna be able to replace the fan base that's like dying off or like grow the fan base no and if, not with spurs doing as well as they're doing right? right i mean that's that's a flip side right is these are direct competitors for for eyeballs and asses in the seats and Spurs are an exciting, fun side to watch that, you know, are on the upswing. They cannot be falling to like seventh and eighth in the table. Um, it's it just bad. But by the way, complete side note, Sanchez made his Premier League debut against Spurs today. And Spurs fucking cut him, cut his legs out from under him every goddamn chance they could. And it was amazing. That rolls. That's so it cool. It was so good. Like it was England. so England good. Awesome. He, was, he, was, he was just in the mud got every goddamn minute. There is one objectively awesome thing about all of this, though, Evan, is that... Uh, we are getting like, and when we're bringing like my my you know crazy uncle Obama and and sticking him in England, which is awesome, so oh, he'll get even more media attention. So like as you as you know, we've discussed Obama Yang's previous absolutely incomprehensible Instagram how, post. Like we talked about feel, that. How do you feel about this hot take? Obama Yang is the millennials' Latin. 
Yeah, I'm in. I, I mean, my issue is that like the the best person of all time for this stuff is actually Mario Balotelli, and I'm very oh, upset so that he's good. Done. He just like disappeared into Nice. Like, yeah. who cares? And that bums me out. But like, he, no, so, I wish like, I wish he made it at Liverpool or he was back yeah. at Milan or something or where just, people were paying send attention. Send to Swansea, anywhere in England <laughs> would have <laughs> right. been better than being at Nice. But you know what? Whatever. I have to just put him behind me because he was my previous like no. extremely normal, cool uncle, and now Aubameyang can be, even though I'm about the same age. Him. <laughs> um, oh my god yeah shut no, up i know, I know right I know, I know. and I, I i we talked last week about my crisis about being the same age yeah, as past peak athletes <laughs> i mean we did uh so this is obama yang today um on its instagram so i i before i just want to preface this by saying this is extremely normal and, and cool and also i think his english has improved a little bit since the last instagram post so i'll say that all right this is obama yang today uh, first of all, sorry for everything that happened last month. I already wanted to transfer last summer. It didn't work out then, but now it had to be. Maybe it wasn't the best way to go about it, but everyone knows that Alba is crazy. And yes, I'm a crazy boy. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. I've made a mistake, but never in bad faith. I will never forget the four and a half years at Dortmund because you gave me the power to get to the level I'm on now. I thank the entire BVB family, the fans, the club, the staff, and of course my teammates, your Alba17. I'm a crazy boy, Evan. I'm a crazy boy. So he's a crazy boy. He's kind of admitting that he threw a temper tantrum here right that that's what he's sorry about i think well is that he basically threw a temper tantrum right yeah i mean he tried to force himself out last summer and that's why he had that picture uh and and he had that insane and i don't remember oh uh, yeah but it was incomprehensible absolutely incomprehensible it was like a photo of himself wearing headphones and then it was like absolutely nonsense and we talked about it on this show before so i i don't i just don't remember exactly what it said because again it was absolute gibberish this not gibberish just no, not gibberish just you know totally normal and cool way to say goodbye um yeah so yeah i'm just really psyched to have him back in the mix here uh what do you think piers morgan thinks about this signing <laughs> i know what piers morgan thinks about this signing actually because i've been trolling his uh, not trolling <laughs> i've been following his twitter account over the last couple of days because um, he's been basically alternating between tweeting about how high the ratings were of his interview, which we're going to talk about in a second, oh. and all of his... Has he actually been tweeting about that? Oh, incessantly. He's also oh been... Oh my God. He, he has also... And here, here's another amazing thing about what he's been doing. He's been retweeting every single person that's given him a compliment on that interview. So that's like no, a totally no. normal. Oh my god! A very, just a very normal reporter, very healthy journalistic relationship to the you know people in power. I gotta tell you, it does remind me of someone his behavior over the last it, couple of days. It, it's reminiscent of certain individuals and how they interact with social media. I that's, think that's right. I agree with that. So um, yeah, I think it's time. I think it's time to talk about Pierce. So the best story, um, arguably the best story in the history of soccer media has occurred in England over the last week where 
Um, Pierce Morgan, who is a universally reviled, despised figure in every single country. <laughs> I, I, I hate him so much. Every, but it's like it's it's not it's not a, there's not a demographic breakdown. There's not a party it's, line. There's not an ideological. There's no difference. He's just Everyone reprehensible. Hates him. Decided to sit down with another widely. Um, people have very passionate feelings about this man, um, Donald Trump. President of the United States of America sat down with his good friend, which I, I, just, I don't I have any public feelings about Donald Trump. Yes, I, I understand. Donald Trump sat down with um, widely reviled Pierce Morgan for an interview. And we're not going to talk about the substance of the interview because that's actually not really the point of our show. What we are going to talk about is the fact that at one point, Pierce Morgan presented a 100 percent bewildered Donald Trump with a <laughs> obviously too small Arsenal jersey and said, can you come be the manager of this club of a sport that you've never watched? And I guarantee you, Evan, Donald Trump didn't even know what sport that was. <laughs> so he's clearly never heard of Arsenal before. He does not know this red shirt being waved in his face is or has anything to do with anything he's he might as well have guessed that this was polo or rugby yeah i don't i mean like i don't think there's any in indication fact, in fact he's probably far more familiar with polo than he is with football oh certainly and, and there's no indication that and like the you'll hear the interview i'm pointing this chunk of it up but like he there is no indication at any section of this that he knows either what Arsenal is, what like what sport they play, any of this. He's entirely bewildered. Another amazing part of this event is that the shirt is like evident, like self-evidently and obviously too small for him. To the extent that like these Arsenal Puma Arsenal shirts are like already no, like really form fitting. Gabe, like, Gabe, <laughs> Gabe, 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 Gabe. This is a two hundred and fifty pound man. Right, like he's point. not he's not too big. All right, he's in shape with great jeans, and that's well, all I'll say. Yeah, that's a good point. Totally normal and very, very in shape, man. We heard the we heard these very normal comments from the very standard, normal and professional White House doctor. Right. So the White House doctor came out and said very normally that Donald Trump is a very good boy and sat for his whole interview <laughs> and, um, and and can wear a European medium <laughs> for his soccer jersey. He absolutely can wear the same size as Mesut Ozil, who uh, is not a Muslim. Uh, <laughs> not <at all. laughs> okay, oh, but the, the funniest thing so about good. this, in my view, is not even that. I, the, I mean, look, the funniest thing about it is that it happened at all. But the second funniest thing about it, like outside of its existential, like ex it's simply its existence, is the absolutely brutal way that Pierce Morgan got owned by just everyone. Everyone owned, like, that's, like, sort of what his whole brand is. So it's, like, extremely on brand of him to get owned brutally for stuff like this. But, like, it was pretty bad this time. I think, in particular, I just want to highlight a couple of my favorites. Uh, responding to Pierce Morgan's tweeting, the picture of him holding up the... Trump 45 Arsenal medium jersey to which I have to imagine is the cover art for this, uh, oh, yeah. for this podcast. So just check out the cover art and you'll know what we're talking about to like a, a, a totally bewildered grin Donald Trump. 
people were saying <laughs> at top top pundit said no one will mourn your death <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true i mean like pierce morgan was so hated i mean like one of the reasons that I, I for anyone who doesn't live in this country who knows um he was so hated in our country that he was literally run out of cnn like yeah he... <laughs> He had a CNN show that d- did so badly in the ratings, even by bad rating CNN standards, <laughs> that it got canceled. And no other American network or American company would hire him. Yeah, like, <laughs> like even when when Lou Dobbs got fired from CNN, he at least found a five o'clock time spot on Fox. No, but like Fox, like the problem with Pierce is that like he alienated everyone. Everyone yeah, hated him. Everyone like I hates said, it went him. Across ideological lines, so even like. Because like his whole shtick was like just to be incredibly insufferable, and oh, he's just what... a troll. He's just such a troll. Yeah. So another, I mean, the best one I think is a guy called at Comrade Sifo says, "I came across a huge mound of rotting cattle carcasses once in a downtown Johannesburg car park. That experience was less revolting than seeing this tweet. You <laughs> are an Ebola pandemic in human form. Jesus Christ." <laughs> I mean, and like the the saddest thing is, is that none of this is actually what is going to really hurt Pierce Morgan the most. No, yeah. because it tur- because Gabe, I wonder, did any of the Arsenal players have anything to say with Pierce Morgan, Arsenal fan, showing Donald Trump an Arsenal jersey? Well, in fact, you uh, you'd be right if you assumed they did, because um, my nothing but respect for my left back. Hector Bellerin, Bellerin, um, just quote tweeted Piers Morgan. By the way, English, English. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, like Piers Morgan said, yeah, Yeah. I've offered Donald Trump his new job at uh, Arsenal manager. Hector Bellerin quote tweet, hope you said no. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) It's so good. And and I I should point out that after he, uh, he says, hope he said no, he puts the like, I roll to the side, like side eye emoji. <laughs> and, and okay. So this is incredible because obviously it's an Arsenal player who, um, you know, just detests Pierce Morgan. And I'm, I say that knowing full well that like, this isn't actually the only time that Hector Bellerin has owned Pierce Morgan. And I'm referring of course, to another very widely reported sense. And again, I, I just want to stress that, Pierce Morgan is hated across ideological lines, hated across race, across countries. Um, at one point uh, in a party a couple of years ago, Pierce Morgan came, was talking to Hector Bellerin, who apparently was very uh, like, unhappy about being talked to. So uh, current UK labor leader Jeremy Corbyn walked over to Hector Bellerin uh, to ostensibly save him from the conversation with Pierce Morgan. Uh, a reporter was there to document the scene where Pierce Morgan attempted to engage both these two people in conversation and they both began speaking Spanish to each other, which Pierce Morgan doesn't speak. Oh, it's amazing. (laughs) It's so good. I mean, like this is the kind of shit that like, if you're the like unpleasant, uninvited friend of a guest that you didn't even really want at your party, like that's like the guy that, that shows up 
and like really tries to get in everyone's face about talking about the music and stuff. And you're like, I don't even know who you are. And I don't really want you in my house. So, so here's the game. I would hope that you and I would play Gabe if Piers Morgan was around. I think what we should do if we're ever at a party, like we need to plan for this. Like if we're ever at a party with Piers Morgan, what do we do? And here's what I think we do. I think we go up to him and strike us a conversation. We're like nice at first, right? And we're like, hey, you know, you've done really cool stuff, whatever. And then after we're in, we start playing a game where we do as many disses on Pierce Morgan as we <laughs> possibly can until he walks away. That's so and like, good. Like, and oh, like, you don't, you don't start too obvious. Like you do passive aggressive digs and you just get more and more fucking aggressive as it goes until he realizes that you're just shitting on his face and he leaves. That's such a good idea. I mean, because you could start off with being like, oh man, like you look so good. Like, la- like yeah. I-, I feel like last time I saw you were on CNN and, and, and you weren't looking yeah. so hot, but you really cleaned up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you'd be like, hey man, like you, you're an Arsenal fan, right? Like I, God, I love Hector Be- uh, Bellerin. Like he's such <laughs> a great player. And you know, what I really like is his character. Like, I think he really just plays with the right spirit. Right. Um, and, and in, in particular, his social media presence really is nice really guy. on point. Yeah, absolutely. And by the end, you're just like, yeah, you look you know, like a fucking spheroid thumb with a cum sheen on it and bad teeth. And then he probably yeah, right. walk away. Right. And he walks away. It's like once you call him collaborator bullshit, right. he, he then leaves. It's like, yeah, your hair looks like uh, thinning pubes. <laughs> right. So like eventually you're just straight up insulting him into his face and he walks away. And I want to know how long that takes because Pierce Morgan yeah. is such a shameless attention grabber. I think he stands there through a lot of it. Oh, I do. I do, too. I bet I could get to a place where I'm like, hey, like, did you know that my cousin's YouTube channel where he dresses up in like a My Little Pony co- uh, costume <laughs> and reviews cereals gets more views than your fucking CNN show? You pathetic sack of shit. <laughs> He's still there. <laughs> like, oh, that's 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 very that's, interesting. Oh, that's that's, that's, that's really I, I wasn't aware this media was was really popular. <laughs> Oh my god, I could do this for hours, man. Like I, this is, this is I, I I'm not kidding when I say this is my favorite thing. And what we're also gonna do is play now. A segment, I think, Evan from uh, Arsenal Fan TV, where they literally oh, talk about. Yes. I, I just I yes. can't imagine a better uh, crossover for our show than ours combining this exact God, story with Arsenal fan TV. We, and we love Arsenal fan TV. Yeah. So here, here's the segment. We're going to play it now. Absolutely amazing. But one thing I want to say before we go is that, you know, Piers Morgan, it, yeah. he had that thing with Trump the other day, didn't he? Yeah. With that shirt, that lot. Yeah. Do you know what? And it sounds bad, but I was thinking, you know, Trump was on about that wall, wasn't he? Yeah. He was building that wall between Mexico, wasn't he, and mm. America, and it. Yeah, we need that wall in front of fucking our back four, mate. Yeah. <laughs> why can't we get Trump and sort of send a Venga? Why can't we get him to come over? Get Donald in. Piers, are you listening? Piers, if you listening, mate, do us a favour. Get Donald, yeah. Build that fucking twelve foot wall in front of our eighteen yard box, and we'll we'll probably go and win the league, mate. Yeah. So I reckon that's the best solution, but we can't do that on transfer deadline day. Here. Even Jim White can't sort that. I'm telling you that way, and he's a hero. Here. But I've got to leave it. Right, yeah. That's what we've got to do, mate. Okay, so uh, in this, <laughs> what, what, what's <laughs> so amazing about this segment is this dude uh, is obviously drunk. It's also obviously the morning, and. Uh, <laughs> 
Which is probably, by the way, the best part is this is like 10 a.m. And it just rules that uh, what this guy, like the only thing he knows is to make like the hackest joke of 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 all, which is like, oh, Arsenal need a defense. Why don't Why don't you have Trump build the wall? Am I right? <laughs> and like the what? what hey, really... we are. You know that the, the wall would be good defense in it. <laughs> what really gets me about it though is that I uh, I uh, Pierce Morgan made that joke. <laughs> right, the same joke. So and and you know what's even better, Gabe, is they played the clip. <laughs> where Piers Morgan made the joke before Arsenal fan TV dude made the joke. Like Piers Morgan's like, hey, you can come build a wall. And then Piers Morgan does a couple of things about having attacking mentality, but he does the build a wall thing. And then the Arsenal fan TV guy's like, hey, you know, you can build a wall in it. Yeah. And like, it's so cool because it means that Piers Morgan, like his intellect, his, his wittiness is about the same as like a drunken, like <laughs> fucking pub head Arsenal fan in the oh, South London, so like fucking rules. Oh my god, it I didn't even really put two and two together because I just assumed that Piers Morgan's gonna make every obvious joke that's in front of him. But you're totally right. He made the same fucking joke that this Arsenal team t- fan TV lad decided to try like, out and talk about for two minutes. What's really cool about that is that this dude did not watch the Piers Morgan thing. He's like, I heard that Piers Morgan had Piers Morgan talked to Trump. Maybe he can come and build us a wall, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, oh, you know, he keep us goals in it. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I mean, look, we're going to keep making fun of Pierce Morgan. We're going to do another segment. I mean, I'm going to talk to her. We got to talk to Ernesto about this too. I, I, what I really think we should do, Evan, is at some point bring James back on to, to, to talk to him about this too. But I, I do want to transition. I would to... love to know from an Eng- like a, a English citizen like perspective what they think about Piers Morgan because I know what Americans no, think about Piers. No, they all hate Morgan. him too, dude. I don't think that this is. A you don't thing. think it's different. You don't I think there's don't like a difference. I think he is. He's just a despised presence. Like, I think that's right because I always got the feeling he got run the fuck out of England oh, and then yeah. he came to CNN. And they got run the fuck out of CNN. And I don't even know what he does. Like, what broadcast was this on right, that he was doing an interview with the president of the United States? The only reason that you would employ him at this point, in my view, is that he he does seem to be good friends with Donald Trump, which, you know, oh my God. Well, it who makes sense, it? actually. You know, no, it does yeah, make no, it sense. Makes a ton, it makes a ton of sense. And then that's all I have to say on it's that. It's pretty on brand. So... Uh, we'll talk, we'll, we're going to continue to talk about the Piers Morgan thing because again, this is just, it's too us to avoid yeah, this. And um, we're like totally not done with Arsenal fan TV because they are the no, gift that does not real. fucking stop. They're like the registability of YouTube channels. <laughs> it is so good. God, it, 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 it uh, is really great, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, but I did want to transition. Last topic, we're only going to do a couple of minutes on this because our extremely normal and regular candidate for USSF president, who wasn't officially sanctioned as a candidate, um, Paul Lapointe, got into a uh, fight with our uh, actual friend of the show and um, friend of Ball and Order, uh, David Rudin, um, about, well, <laughs> Paul Lapointe's unironic call to purge the United States uh. soccer media of people that don't uh, support the U.S. men's national team, tarnish the sport. It's not clear what Paul wants to do other than round he's, up the journalists. He's upset at somebody and he wants something to happen to them. That's his all. That's as specific as I can get. Yeah, it's 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 actually a pr- it's a pretty upsetting 
thing for someone who wants to like have control over a major sport in this country to say. But here's here's I think the 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 crucial thing that that um <laughs> that that Paul said. Uh, I mean, basically. I mean, it's it's really upset. Like again, it's it's it is it is quite upsetting. Uh, yeah, it really. I mean, yeah, yeah, pa- it really. Like, is. No, 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 it's 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 uh, the relevant passage, which should not be twisted and turned away from the original question: Are there sectors of the media that tarnish soccer, and how do we deal with them? And like, he offer again, just to remind everyone, he off Paul Point, running for president of USSF. Offered Alexi Lawless again. A lot of intersections going on in our in our general uh, shtick today, but offered Alexi Lawless, friend of the show, um, a unpaid position to clean up American soccer media. Uh, it it's really upsetting. I I just I don't I don't know how else to like to talk about this. Um, it, <laughs> I don't know how else to deal with the fact that this is a man who really and seriously considered himself to be a candidate for a major American sports league. And his entire pitch was basically we need to purge American journalism. You know, on the one hand, that's really kind of shocking and awful. On the other hand, it's actually completely not shocking that in... 2018, someone running for the so, office of president of a thing hmm. thinks that what you need to do is purge the media. Yeah, it's you know, it's almost like Paul was running on a different thing. He, he would have been for a very... different thing with a different perspective, and like Here, really, the sample. only problem is that there's you know fake news. Fake news. We need to purge the fake news. Here's what. I, here's another thing that Paul said. Are there some sectors of the media that tarnish USA soccer? If so, should we explore those media sectors that tarnish the sport and may harbor conflict of interest? I, I mean, it is infuriating to listen to this because the media's job is not to portray a rosy image of U.S. soccer. Far from it. He, you know, here's my big question, right? So he... It, <laughs> Can, can the media have made the U.S. men's national team worse on the field against Trinidad and Tobago? By what mechanism could the media have made them score fewer goals? There is no mechanism. The media can't make them worse. They're just bad. So if you're running for president of whatever, U.S. soccer, you have to explain to me how you think the media being unfair made them worse or you have to explain to me how I just haven't gotten the right spin on the U.S. missing the World Cup for me to understand how it's not actually so bad. It's one of those two things. That's actually, the media that, is the problem here. It's a really good point because I've been focusing only on the like the whole optics of purge purge the journalist stuff, but like actually, this has no relevance to what the the position you're running for. Like none. It doesn't matter what you're like. What you're doing is it's it's useless. So like. What are we talking about? Like, what do you actually, what do you gain? Like, what, let's say you, Paul, appoint is elected and you do your purge the journalist shit and, like, you get all, a bunch of, like, normal journalists fired or moved to different sports or whatever. whatever, Right? What changes? Like, that doesn't change anything. You still have a shitty team that didn't qualify for the World Cup and an interim coach that didn't even get one of, like, the most promising defensive midfield prospects of your, like, the generation to come play for the team. Like, that's it. That's all you did is like got rid of a bunch of people that you didn't really care for. 
Yeah. Yeah, you've accomplished nothing. And and I promise, Paula Point, that no amount of you know media fluff pieces is gonna make me, a US Men's national team fan, feel better about missing the World Cup. If so anything, if you think that it made me feel worse. Yeah, if anything, like listening to media people tell us, look, it's actually fine, is I'll be so infuriate pissed. me. I like, will fucking riot. Yeah, like <laughs> So, I mean, the question is really, what do you want? Like, what do we want? Like, like what does he actually, want? Does he want more yeah. negative pieces? So, like, to a certain extent, like I, think, I think U.S. soccer media responded fairly decently. I don't know how you feel. I think they responded fairly decently to the U.S. missing the World yeah. Cup. I think they started asking pretty biting questions of what was going on in U.S. soccer. Yeah. Like, things they might have let go before, they started really digging into. And that's exactly the right response to a catastrophe totally. like the World Cup. And that's not a corrupt media media smearing U.S. soccer. That's U.S. soccer being fucking shit and a media telling me about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's basically it for that last segment. Um, we will be back next week. We're going to be talking. We are going to be talking to Ernesto. We do have a lot of FIFA stuff to cover because, to be quite frank, there was a lot of FIFA stuff. But I'm I'm really glad that we got to do this show because uh, I. Everything we talked about was important and very yeah. on brand. So like And I and I and I loved to end the show cursing cursing US soccer. It is it is again, uh, as I said, totally on brand. Very on brand. <laughs> <laughs> but we we're going to I mean, look, I, I I actually do think you're totally right. We do need to get someone one of our one of our English friends to come on and, and talk to us about Pierce Morgan in England, but I, I really don't think we're going to get a different result than if we called up any random American and said, what do you <laughs> right. think about Pierce Morgan? You're probably right. Uh, but yeah, so next week we're going to be talking about Ernesto. We're going to do a little bit, little bit more serious show, though, again, there's going to be a lot of – there's going to be more, a ton more bullshit to cover. So stay with us, buddy, until next week then. Love you, bud. Bye. Bye. <laughs>